Welcome to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Joyous conversations about what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about our one reality. You have nothing to fear. You are eternal and you are perfectly loved. Knowing the truth changes everything. Now, here's Roberta. Welcome to Seek Reality. I'm Roberta Grimes and I'm so glad you're with us today. Our guest last week, as you know, was the wonderful, young, part-time researcher and full-time tech business guy, Mark Gober. Mark's big discovery has been the primacy of consciousness, and his two books address how willfully clueless the scientific community has been in clinging to their materialist dogma. His first book, out in 2018, was an end to upside-down thinking, dispelling the myth that the brain produces consciousness and the implications for everyday life. He does long subtitles. Two years later came an end to upside-down living, reorienting our consciousness to live better and save the human species. Well, why don't we want all want to do that? Of course, it wasn't Mark Gober. It wasn't Bernardo Castro. It was no recent person who has discovered that consciousness is primary. It was Dr. Max Planck, who won the 1918 Nobel Prize in Physics as the father of quantum mechanics. Max Planck is a really, really, really big shot in the quantum physics world. He's about as scientist as you can possibly get. And he discovered that consciousness is the primary force almost a century ago. In 1931, Max Planck said, I regard consciousness as fundamental. I regard matter as derivative from consciousness. We cannot get behind consciousness. Everything that we talk about, everything that we regard as existing postulates consciousness. In 1944, he said, as a man who has studied, has devoted his whole life to the most clear-headed science, to the study of matter, I could tell you as a result of my research about atoms this much. There is no matter as such. All matter originates and exists only by virtue of a force which brings the particle of an atom to vibration and holds this most minute solar system of the atom together. He added that we, we must assume behind this force a conscious and intelligent mind, and that mind is the matrix of all matter. He made the greatest discovery of the 20th century, and it was not quantum mechanics, but his discovery of the elements of quantum mechanics led him to discover what is in fact the primary force that continuously manifests all of reality. That force is what we experience in, in a dim way as human consciousness. And there's no such thing as solid matter. And here's another guy who's kind of a big shot to scientists. Dr. Albert Einstein is also something of a leading light, wouldn't you say, of 20th century physics? And he also discovered that nothing is solid, nothing. Here are two quotes from the illustrious Albert Einstein, demolishing the idea that the material world is solid. He said, concerning matter, we have been all wrong. What we have been calling matter is energy whose vibration has been so lowered as to be perceptible to the senses. There is no matter. He also said reality is merely an illusion, albeit a very persistent one. So for a 100 years, scientists have had their most leading lights telling them the truth, and they still 
ignore it. They still deny it. Our guest today is a really brilliant guy who has written a masterful book about the abject, utter cluelessness of mainstream science. Even so many decades after the two greatest physicists of the 20th century made it clear that the science was telling them that nothing was solid, to this day, mainstream science is stuck in what our guest today calls physicalism. Bob Gebeline discovered that science is off the rails a full 50 years ago, and he had a great career then in software while he waited, as I have waited all that time, for some light to dawn on the big, stupid, artificial rock that is materialist science. Then in 2018, he published an absolutely transformative book, I love it, called Dirty Science, How Unscientific Methods Are Blocking Our Cultural Advancement. Especially if you've been confused by the scientific refusal to seriously investigate any of what we talk about here on Seek Reality, you're going to love what we'll be talking about today. Bob, welcome. I'm so glad you're with us. Hey, good to be here. (laughs) People are going to be wondering what got you started looking at science critically. Can you tell us just a little bit about your background and, and what made that become important to you? Well, hey, I started off in science. I was a physics major at Harvard. Switched to math because that was really my best subject. Um, ended up majoring in math. I had uh, a couple of friends who turned out to be elite scientists, and and uh, they kind of uh, clued me into some of these beliefs. Uh, psychiatrists are tools of the establishment, and... Uh, that that psychology was not science. Um, I'm coming from psychology. The uh, spiritual is sort of beyond me. But um, <laughs> anyway, uh, these uh, two. I I I asked them if I could write the dedication, you know, to my friends who introduced me to. To, to dirty science and and and, and they uh, uh, they politely turned me down all with good feelings from old times but anyway oh, dear. Um, <laughs> that was a bridge too far even though they they it knew was you were a bridge right much guy too far. oh my I, we all played touch football together and i said okay you know let's remember the good times but, yes um, uh, when I came in 2009, I'm, <clears throat> I decided I was 75 years old, and what am I going to do with my life in my old age? I'd retired from computer programming and, and, and long obsolete, and came to the Rhine Research Center here in Durham, North Carolina, to work as a volunteer and um and discovered um it wasn't just like my friends I thought it was just ridiculing anything that wasn't physical science but no i found that people have lost their jobs and lost their ability oh, yes. to publish and and so forth and and my uh, people here i know uh was that uh, Jim Carpenter said that people were slightly less friendly here at the university. He's he's at the University of North Carolina, but he's also one of our top psychic people, published a book called First Sight, saying this is, we all 
this all this stuff comes into our senses just our senses aren't capable of handling it um so anyway i learned that that the uh, that the people who study the psychic and the spiritual are actually persecuted i mean it's almost like the dark ages yes yes um and and they lose their jobs they lose their ability to publish they lose their funding we get our funding from portugal um they're more tolerant in other countries and i want to read a statement if i may from the uh (coughs) this is this is the crowning uh um you know people in the olden days said well uh it's impossible for anything heavier than the air to fly. And they said, the, you know, oh, yes. the pat- oh, right. patent office should be closed because everything is that can possibly be invented has been invented. That was I remember in the that. 1880s sometime. Yes. Anyway, but this ranks this with, the, as I say, the, the annals of folly. Um, this is Here. a report called Enhancing Perfor- Human Performance. Issues, Theories, and Techniques, edited by Daniel Druckmann and John A. Sweats. Um, they uh, <clears throat> studied psychic abilities, and uh, and and they, they they quote here from page twenty-two: the committee finds no scientific justification from research conducted over a period of 130 years for the existence of parapsychological phenomena. Well, we have here at the Rhine literally a ton of evidence. And and that is the most foolish statement that anybody's ever made, and it's in print. Um, So anyway... But, but, was, but isn't it because they have not studied? I mean, there's no way, way anyone could honestly study the history of psychic phenomena and, and, and make that statement. So the only way they could have done it would have been that if they just plain blanket said it without looking at anything. Is that what they That's did? That's right. Okay. That's right. They, they just totally ignored. They had five uh, references to the Journal of Parapsychology. And that was it. I mean, we have the Journal of Parapsychology goes back to 1937. The British Journal goes back to 1882. And and we have it here. I mean, it, you know, yeah. it's the whole shelf. Um, and uh, there is, uh, and the only way, <clears throat> I mean, here's how they rationalize it. Um, they say these things are impossible as the first premise, of course, which is kind right. of like, where did that come from? Uh, these things are impossible. Therefore, the uh, evidence right. must be flawed. Right. Now, this is the opposite right. way that science usually does things. I mean, right. I'm all for science. I have a scientific background. I programmed computers, uh, you know, for 22 years and uh, um Science is fine if it's doing, you know, if it's doing science. But these people, because of their reputations as scientists, just like my friends who became elite scientists, um, uh, because of their reputation, people believe them, and and they, 
have power, even even with I, I'm arguing that the people who do the funding don't have to be influenced by this ridicule. They they are the ones with the power. So you know, I'm hoping some of them might pick it up and listen to me. Uh, okay. So 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 here's the thing, everyone. We've talked about this before, and we've had people on who've talked about it before. Um, the simple fact is that the mainstream scientific community has turned itself into a belief system, and they did this more than a hundred years ago when they started to call materialism the the scientific dogma of materialism, and, and they based all of science on the notion that all they had to do was study matter. I didn't realize till I read Bob Gebeline's book what a damaging, damaging uh, result has happened to our culture as a result of this. Um, it, it's he is actually once after you sort of say a, little, a few polite things about science and it's not all bad, you you really are pretty lethal about it. He starts his book this way: This book needs to be written. The story needs to be told. It's a story of corruption and abuse of power, of scientific ridicule and academic prejudice, of how the people we have trusted to give us accurate knowledge have betrayed that trust and blocked large segments of knowledge from our view. Boy, ain't that the truth. Perfectly said. When we wake up and recognize it, you say, this corruption will be seen to be as serious as the corruption in the Catholic Church that precipitated the Protestant Reformation, or the corruption in the French government that brought on the French Revolution. And you say, we are already deep into something like another dark ages in terms of knowledge. And you're absolutely right, because there's so much that's being kept from the people. Because science has to, you know, stonewall it. <laughs> you say, somebody yep. should have warned us this is happening. Somebody should have written this book a long time ago. But I don't see this book anywhere. It's as if everyone was functioning in some kind of trance state. And you said you would have preferred, and I would have preferred as well, for someone with a scientific background to actually write about what's going on in science. But, of course, nobody will. And you, you talk in your book, and you talk very well in your book about how they keep such strict control. Um, they use ridicule. They use denial of, as you said, publication or or a job or whatever. Um, they they do everything they can to keep this information from ever being studied seriously by anybody who wants to have any kind of mainstream science career. And you beautifully lay that out. Talk a little about that. I mean, that must be horrifying to you still. Well, there's two aspects of it. First of all, is this dirty. Like, okay, my book title, I chose the words dirty science because that has punch, but the science is not dirty. It's, it's dirty politics yes. in the name of science, and that doesn't yes. have quite as much punch. So I just oh, took right. the politics in the name of out of it, but that's what it's all about. Now, that's one side of it is these dirty people like Edward O. Wilson, who uh, classmates of mine at Harvard thought he was wonderful in biology. He's mar he was marvelous in biology, but as as a um, my philosophy advisor called him a bad guy as far as being you know like into this dirty politics. I mean, really, really, I devoted chapter to him really 
sneaky and 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 uh, subtle and suave and all that. Um, what was I going to say? Yeah, I'm 86 years old. Every now and then I forget my train of thought. But oh well, yes, so yeah. do I. I'm okay. not that old. Okay. So <laughs> okay, there are the dirty people. There are the people who are. Uh, Actually, my friends at Rockefeller University, they they were saying everybody's laying low. Somebody's calling everybody a communist and everybody else is laying low. Now, why can't the academic community just stand up and say, hey, I'm not a communist? Uh, Why can't the academic community say, hey, this is dirty politics. This is not science. and and discredit the arguments of these people. And that's the other side of it. I don't know why all these people are manipulated that way. I don't know, you know, exactly. Oh, of course, I have my theory of black mentalists and, and uh, oh, telepathic <laughs> suggestion and stuff oh, like, wow. I mean, evil going oh. on in the universe is my only I explanation. Guess. But anyway, I do explain it. <laughs> Oh, yes. Oh, uh, I, I do explain it as in-group thinking if you belong to a group like the gang on the street corner. I mean, you have to conform to its norms and play lip service to its opinions, attitudes, and beliefs. And, and uh, it's like a gang and you get indoctrinated, indoctrinated into science just like I was explaining how our I first began studying science in the eighth grade. Now I think they started in the fourth grade. But anyway, (laughs) the teacher was saying, no, it's not a lever. It's a lever. And and he was indoctrinating us into the in-group way of saying things. And and these in-group mannerisms are very, very important. And you get laughed at. I got laughed at at Harvard because I played house football. That's one of the prejudices of the academic community. Uh, football is out. Lots of things are out. I have a whole list of them. And yes, you, you list them in your book, and I think that some of them are really funny. You say that scientists hold it as a as a core belief, core certainty for them. The intuition doesn't exist. Psychic abilities don't exist. Parapsychology is pseudoscience. The spiritual, nothing spiritual exists. And dreams are a random firing of neurons. The mind is nothing but the physical brain. And, you, and they have prejudice against football, psychotherapy, hypno, hypnosis, and religion. Football got thrown in there, I guess. Um, but but yeah, there were other things, too. You said that they just hold as a canon. It, it, you have to believe those things. It's exactly like a religion. The religion is the in-group. And it's been going on so long that a whole century of, of science has been built on this, on, with this incredible limitation of nothing that is not physical is real. Even though now we know that, that there, there's nothing that's solid. Even, even the, the particles of inside an atom are just vortices of energy. It's all energy! And this is something well, that, that I, I, I learned that in that. physics. Uh, but, but, but I mean, but, the no, whole idea of a of a spiritual just, dimension is is uh, it, it's not physical. Mental mental dimension, um, uh, like 
people in distant planets can communicate mentally instantly because it's a different dimension than, than the physical. Right. Here's the thing. As you point out, the, they, ha- they have weapons that are very powerful. They're, the weapons include pronouncements from on high. When, as you, you read what those fool, two foolish people were willing to sign, that there's no evidence in a hundred and some odd years uh, of, of any uh, psychic phenomena, which is ridiculous because it's all over the place. And, but they, they, they just because we tend to trust and revere science, right? I mean, science has given us so much good stuff. Yes. When they make a that's it we're supposed to believe it and many people do believe it and and you as you say they use ridicule too and that's another problem that people have had who have done worked in this field because it's hard to have people say you don't know what the heck you're talking about even though we've spent our life studying and we do very know very well what we're talking about ridicule is is a terrible weapon you also say that they use power politics, which is where they say, you know, hmm, nice little scientific career you got there. Too bad if anything should happen to it. You better not write about this or that because it'll be gone. I mean, they're gangsters. It's 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 terrible. And and another yeah. problem is a big problem is I'm sorry, I'm so excited about this. I can't even stop talking. Yeah, go a ahead. Big problem is Wikipedia because we tend to say, well, Wikipedia, all the experts. If you look up any of the things that we talk about on Seek Reality, things that are certainly true, and you look them up in Wikipedia, you'll find that science has has said there's no evidence for them, or, or if it's a person that he's a you know a crank or a, or a, or a, um, uh, a, a shyster, he's a he's whatever he's made it all up. You cannot use Wikipedia as a source of any information whatsoever in the entire field of non-material phenomena because again they are just enforcers i'm sorry go ahead sir yeah no no, i'm saying yes 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 i mean that was my (laughs) first encounter here um sally ryan feather who was the uh director at the time the daughter of jb ryan and and uh she pointed out that wikipedia you look at parapsychology Wikipedia, well, it changes every day, but at the time it said, started us saying parapsychology is pseudoscience. Right. Well, the expression pseudoscience is itself pseudoscience. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, it's not science, it's smear tactics right away. And I got in there and um, she said that a former head of the Parapsychological Association had tried to get Wikipedia to change their tune. Well, I got down deep into Wikipedia. Where, where do they get this nonsense from? And I'm trying to not use profanity here. Uh, <laughs> right. uh, I mean, this this is ranks as profanity. This this report that right. I just read. Where, What basis? And I saw down there the National Academy of Science. Well, you look up the the, uh, credentials of these, uh, whatever board members, the committee, the the head of the National Academy of Scientists. These are, uh, I mean, we, one, one of our group things at Harvard was not to be impressed by anything, but I am truly impressed by the credentials of this 
you know, ruling board of the National Academy of Scientists and Sciences, and yet, you know, how did these people? Anyway, anyway, I did write to the president <laughs> of the organization with a lot of help from Sally, who is wonderful. She said, "No, no, don't use the word farce. Don't use the word sham. She's very gentle oh, person." And yes, helped, <laughs> that's helped always me good. A lot in this, and so was John Palmer, who's the editor, was the editor of our. Journal of Parapsychology, and they helped me graft a letter, which I sent twice by certified mail to the president of the National Academy of Sciences. And after twice, he sent me back a very nice reply saying, yes, he'd have somebody investigate it. But of course, nobody ever investigated it. So anyway, anyway, yeah, Wikipedia. Then I learned from our current, our current director here, John Cruz, said, well, there is a person named Susan Gerbic, and she is what, what do they call it now? I just had an gorilla skeptics. Yes, uh, Susan Gerbic, I believe, is a person who went from a, a strict religious background. Suddenly, somebody turned her around into materialism, and, and uh, now she's strictly religious. And anyway, these gorilla skeptics... <laughs> It's the same oh. thing. They smear things. I mean, they they can they can discount our whole organization here just by calling us believers. Oh, they're believers. Um, that that's that's their technique. They use insults, and they because they have scientific credentials, people trust them. But they're right. lying to the American people and to the world. They're, they're lying in a vicious way because they're trying to make every, people believe that they are nothing but, a, but a, a hunk of meat. That's all they are. The hunk of meat inside their skull produces their consciousness, their personality. It, it didn't exist before they were born, and it will die with them. So that's what they are trying to make, Amer make Americans and the world have as a self-image. This is the opposite of what is true. And not only that, it's a very dangerous thing because we worry why that people are, are, you know, dog eat dog and I'm going to get mine. And so, well, of course, it's because the scientists are telling them that's all there is for you. You better get it now while you're in this body because you are, you will not exist after the body dies. And that is a hundred percent a lie. And not only is it a lie, it's a lie that is destroying our culture, as you point out so brilliantly, because the culture should be based on the highest aspirations, and instead, we are crawling along with the other, you know, uh, non uh, non human uh, uh, animals in the gutter. And there's no other place for us, according to science. I'm sorry, this is this is this is the biggest travesty I have ever seen. There is no bigger travesty than this, which is why it's perfectly appropriate, sir, that you have compared it to. Um, uh, you know, the corrupt Catholic Church that brought about the Reformation and the corrupt government in France that brought about the Revolution. It is the worst possible thing that anyone could do to the human mind is to tell it that it is just meat. And that's what they do to this day. Sorry. <laughs> I had to yeah, say that. Hey, no, it's I'm so listening to you. You're great. Uh, I so of course I totally agree with you and, and it it my question is, you know, I'm a basically a problem solver. How what how do I define the problem? 
and how do I solve it? And and um, um, well, first of all, all these all these academic people need psychotherapy. Yes, they no, do not believe don't. in psychotherapy. So so immediately oh. they are trapped. Um, yes, I mean, and again, the question is. Like, why do the honest scholars and the honest scientists go along with, I want to say, crap, if that's all right. But no, perfectly say that. What, why? The only why? word I can think of. You know, all the, the, the bullies say to them, nice career you got there. Too bad something if something should happen to it. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, like that's it. That's, that's how they keep them in line. Yes. But there are things everyone please understand and mark this there are two things that science cannot and never will be able to explain until it starts investigating consciousness as the primary force which is you know max Planck a hundred years ago said it was by the time they listened to him don't you think there are two things well, first don't is well, i don't understand what consciousness is that's beyond me I I could only get half I got halfway through the first chapter in Jim Carpenter's book and I, I just Well here's the problem scientists can't explain it either not to this day but the, there are two things that scientists will never be able to do until they get rid of the dogma of materialism the first is they cannot explain how consciousness arises from matter because it doesn't they are looking in the brain they're sh- and I have I devoutly read um, a scientific America because it's been fascinating to watch the evolution of this 20 years ago they were sure it was about to someone would find it easily and those people who said that then died and other people came along oh it's going to happen but after a little while sort of within the last decade you started to see them saying maybe we won't be able to explain it but it comes from somewhere inside that brain they cannot explain it because consciousness doesn't arise from matter. Matter arises from consciousness. The second thing they'll never be able to explain until they get a clue is how life arises from matter. They they keep coming up with the possibility that they can somehow recreate life in the lab, but they can't. They have no idea where life comes from or why life arises. They have no idea, and yet everything, everything, everything is actually alive so uh, because because they can't do do those two things bob they really can't do anything can they i I can't answer that quite i have my (laughs) own thought on how life i just tell you the story which is in my book of how i read the book on uh, evolution what evolution is true it was the name of the books more or less and my review was called Evolution is Not Quite True. <laughs> and I explained the, the explanation given by uh, uh, Richard Kinninger from his teachers in the Brotherhoods was that a new species, first of all, random mutation is the is kind of the weak point in that argument. Uh, yes, you know, absolutely. Random yep. mutation and and uh, the other see uh, words again. I'm apologizing because I'm 86 years old. Uh, no need to apologize. You're you're certainly ran, a lot smarter the, than I am. The other one, 
the other one is definitely true the the, the uh, ability to survive and i forget the exact words but that's that part's true but the random mutation the word random means we can't do the math <laughs> but yes. we can like approximate how many times things are going to anyway they don't know the process by no. which species were created, so they, they call it random mutation. Uh, Richard Kinninger, as taught by the Brotherhood, said angels created new species when the environment was ready for them. Okay, this is not God creating everything in the beginning in six days. This is very, no, very reasonable. Happen. This yeah. is intelligent design. Uh, up through the ages, okay, the world is ready for bacteria, you know, one-celled organisms, and so forth and so forth and so forth. But my, in my review, where did I mention? At some point, you know, I had critics, I mean, I criticized this book because it didn't mention up until beyond page 200, you know, the, the things that the evolutionists are kind of leaving out, like that new species have appeared too quickly to be explained yes. by this process of adaptation, and that's kind of fuzzed over. Anyway, at some point I did mention that angels had created new species. Well, I got such ridicule. Oh. I got such oh. ridicule. I I, yes. This is hilarious. This is hilarious. One guy, you know, he's just, I mean, it's guys. It's Women don't do this. No, women are Susan a lot Gerbic and a few others. I mean, uh, generally it's men who do this. And um, anyway, anyway, I, just, just the ridicule. And, and I realized that. Of course, what am I investigating? Oh, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm a friend of mine was doing ozone therapy on me. Uh, <laughs> which so, is, really? Well, hey, yeah, you're laughing at it, but it's ridiculed. You know, anything like that, ridicule keeps people from experimenting. Ridicule blocks the scientific curiosity. But they can't uh, allow scientific curiosity except in certain channels. That's why the ridicule. You, you said – I'd like to talk a little bit more about what you said about um, the, uh, the theory of evolution because I thought it was excellent. Um, it, you said at some point Darwin's theory ceased to be a scientific hypothesis and became quasi-religious dogma. Around 1950, the biologists were searching for the missing link. I remember that. They never found the missing link. And that would have shown, of course, at least in some fashion, how things work. So they simply stopped searching for it. By the 1980s, when you said, when I tuned into Stephen Jay Gould on TV to see what proof of Darwin's theory he could offer, he simply started off with Darwin's theory as a given, a first premise, right. a fundamental truth. Do you remember writing that? But here's the oh, thing. There is so much they can't explain. Um, at the same time as Darwin had, was, had his theory, they were ridiculing Lamarck. And Lamarck was right because it was Lamarck who said there are epigenetic influences that happen during the life of a, of, of a, of a being or of an entity uh, that can change um, the, the entity's uh, genetics or whatever. And apparently that does happen. But poor Lamarck, he died a pauper. 
And over and over again, they're stupidly wrong. Are you, everyone, are you aware that almost all the species currently alive came into their modern form within a few decades of one another 200,000 years ago? Humans, elephants, everything. They all came into being almost at once, and the old ones died out. There's no way you can explain that. So they ignore it. Anything they can't explain, they just don't even want to even think about. But yes, it's it, you're you're right. We uh, Darwin was wrong. Uh, a lot of other people were right, and there are things which we know now, which could have would not known in the time of Darwin, that would have really thrown him for a loop. So, sir, so, so do you have any other thoughts on, on um, evolution, which I think is very, very important uh, um, factor? And we could, we could perfect it, except that what they're trying to do is just, as you point out, um, make uh, Darwin's theory whatever they want it to be and say it's already solved, which, it, which of course, it's not. Darwin's theory gave them an excuse to say, okay. We don't yes. need a creator to explain all this. Therefore, we can That's do away with God, and we can yes. do away with everything spiritual. And I think we're discovering here at the Rhine that there are spiritual forces. And I think, well, the hippies, I mean, first <laughs> of all, I think the Darwinist revolution where they went to physicalism was necessary to get rid of the authoritarianism of religion, both president, Catholic and Protestant. Uh, yes. I mean, was sort of dominating people. I think people were, I guess the witches weren't being burned in the 1800s. But anyway, no. uh, you know, like they got rid of, of religion, which was too domineering. But then they imposed scientism or uh, physicalism. Yes, yeah, scientism. It. Yep. And now exactly. the hippies came along in the 1960s with their LSD trips, and that was a cultural force necessary to dislodge the culture from this purely physical. I mean, the hippies are talking about alternative realities. Well, it's only one reality, and it includes spiritual. But yes. Exactly. The were necessary to jog us out of the physicalism, and then we got into what they call what's this, uh, beyond uh, postmodernism or whatever. Which oh, is, yes. Uh, again, I'm using the word crap here. Um, <laughs> but, it's okay. But these various, like, hippies kind of jogged us. Uh, you know, people were, <laughs> what a... Charles Tart, he gave a wonderful hint by uh, by remotely from California, talking about being in experiments, stacking LSD, and, and scientists asked him, asking him, uh, you know, how do you feel, and asking him all these scientific questions, and he's saying he didn't want to answer all these questions. He's exploring the cosmos. I mean, his mind is being opened oh. up. To, yeah. And this was the hippie experience, and and it was. Uh, um, not explained, but it was opened up that there was a spiritual and and that the scientific dogma against it was and that that the uh, 
the dogma against it seems to be welded. I mean, if you're a scientist, it seems you have to believe in this physicalism um, or be socially ejected. And and, Um, and professionally as well. If you want a career in mainstream science, you must not investigate. And and they they say, I've, I've heard from... Physicists that um, when you are in um, your your PhD program, if if you early on if you start to show an interest in any of the things that are not material, you're told if you want to do that, don't waste your money on becoming a physicist because you'll never be able to do any of it. Now that is pathetic, but that's what yeah. science is. I I think that the thing we want people well, to understand. What? That's what dirty politics is. That's, that's what yes, mafia right. is. But that's, that's but those are the people who control is. science now. No, pure science would be a wonderful thing if it were open minded. No question. But it, but it doesn't exist. Yes, it doesn't exist now, and that's a terrible thing. But I think the thing that, that I, I take away from your book is it's up to us to open everyone's mind because certainly science never will and to question all of these things as you are doing wonderfully with wikipedia and with with the academy of of sciences scientists because unless people challenge it it will just go on and more and more people will find including my own children uh, think i'm probably a little crazy because they believe the scientists adult children of mine believe the scientists how tragic that is to me but nonetheless that's how it is Yep. So I, I remind, just remembering, I told my grand nephews when they were in high school my theories, and I'm saying, don't tell your teacher this. Oh no, that's right. No, Are you trying to subvert the next generation? Oh my dear. Uh, I I have said, and I hope it won't take this. I have said that science will be shamed into actually becoming an open-minded search for the truth when we have an app. You can have on your phone that will allow you to call up your great, 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 great aunt and get her secret ingredient for the family recipe. Then you cannot any longer be fooled about any of it. And believe it or not, everyone, there are scientists and their names you would know who are working on this in laboratories that we think of as not material, but then even the laboratories that are here are not material. So it's really not <laughs> very different. So that's what we hope is coming next. Next time um, when Bob is here, we're going to talk about his spiritual journey, which actually to me is every bit as interesting and, and different from what we've ever talked about here. So he'll be back in a few months to talk about. I'm so sorry we've come to the end of our time, Bob. What, what is your website? It's dirtyscience.net, uh, right? DirtyScience.net. You weren't able to get .com in Dirty Science? Someone else had used it? They were asking $1,000 for DirtyScience.com, so they're still asking $1,000. Oh, yeah. Nobody nobody will pay. (laughs) And I was hoping we could start a discussion, so, you know, call it .net, and we could get a little conversation, but that never materialized. Oh, golly. (laughs) Well, um... I, this this has been really, I, I think, a, an, a wonderful discussion. Um, th- this is something we're going to be talking about more and more here, everyone, because it is going to be up to us to bring the truth to the world. And more and more I'm coming to see that it's essential to do that because so long as people are told by the people they most trust 
that they are meat and that and they they didn't exist before their bodies were born and they will not exist when their body dies as long as people are taught by scientists that that nonsense is true then we have a problem with our culture and that is actually to me the the key takeaway i take from your book i never realized how deep the rot goes until until i read it so thank you so much bob can i just say one thing of course a friend gave this my book to somebody who read it and said oh yes this reminded me uh, this reminded this guy of a book that had been written in 1908 i mean people have been you know <laughs> yeah. saying this over the years yes yes we have to do something about it and we will but bless you, sir, for for your wonderful work, and I'm I I admire you. But when I'm your age, I'm going to be doing just just the same kind of thing you're doing now. But I I will swear a lot more. I have to say, I'll be pretty fed up by then. So <laughs> okay. please consider I, I yourself. Could swear a lot more. <laughs> anyway, cons- thank you, thank you for letting me spout. And, no, it's been great. Giving people, yeah, the book is also on Amazon. There's an excellent review by Michael Tim, who did great. Oh, which we we loved him. him. Yes, yes, he's great. Uh, He was recently here for the fourth time, I think. But please consider yourself hugged, and thank you so much for being here. (laughs) Thank you for having me. My dear friends, this has been Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. I'm so glad you could be with us today. Please never forget that you are a powerful, eternal being. You never began and you never will end. And when you really get what that means, all its implications, it will change everything in your life for the better. Next week, our guest will be Michelle Blood to talk with us about the amazing power of affirmations, which I love. Michelle does other things as well. She uses her musivation seminars to produce mystical success events worldwide. And she tells us that the largest of these events was when 50,000 people joined her in Kuala Lumpur. I will never be able to say that. Michelle has awakened her kundalini with many years of meditation, and we're going to talk about that too because I'm beginning to be interested in other ways to raise our spiritual vibrations. We've talked about the ways to raise our spiritual vibrations using the teachings of Jesus. I still think that's the easiest, but I'm trying to understand from other people like our friend Bob and like, like Michelle how they did it and how that worked. She now teaches others how to live a mystical life and experience divine oneness, which she says is the true heart of true happiness, success, and purpose in life. We're going to use her book, The Magic of Affirmation Power, to talk about what I think is very important and we should have talked about more often and sooner than this, the astonishing fact that affirmations are powerful. They can have real and very positive effects in your life. Just don't tell that to the scientists. It'll blow their minds. This week, we've been speaking with Bob Gebeline. And like Mark Goper, who was our guest last week, Bob had a serious career in software design before he kicked off the traces, so to speak, And he began to really talk about and write about and use what he has spent his life coming to understand. And that is how horribly science is being used by by really a few people, not all the scientists, but a few of them. And they're effectively using it to keep us from understanding the truth about reality. And that his his book is dirty science, how unscientific methods are blocking our cultural advancement, unscientific methods like lying and ridicule. Yeah, those are pretty unscientific, I think. 
Bob has written this devastating book, which I wish I had written, about the complete failures of materialist science. And the truths that we talk about here on Seek Reality, those truths that brilliant people like Bernardo Castro, Mark Gober, Craig Hogan, and so many other brilliant, brilliant folks have spent their lives studying. And these are the most clear-headed people there are. All of this stuff is true, and yet the scientific community is still entirely stonewalls it. Scientists claim without any evidence that they actually know what's going on, but they do not have a clue. They still think everything is solid. If you want to begin to understand this ugly mess of denial that the scientific system has become, Bob's book, Dirty Science, is a great book for you to start with. Now, as you know, my own nonfiction books are liberating Jesus, my Thomas, the fun of dying, the fun of staying in touch, the fun of growing forever, the fun of living together, and very soon now, sooner than it was last week anyway, the fun of loving Jesus, embracing the Christianity that Jesus taught. Thomas tells me it's going to be soon now that we can finally publish that book. All my books are available in, from bookstores if you order them and on Amazon, and the adult books are available as audiobooks. There's a children's book, which is the fun of meeting Jesus, and it's beautifully illustrated. So if you know a young one who might be interested in kind of seeing a beautiful picture book and learning about Jesus, there's that for you. If you want to talk about any of my books or if you want to talk about anything at all, never forget that you can contact me through the green contact block on robertagrimes.com. I do answer every email. Past episodes of Seek Reality are available on webtalkradio.net and many other, really most places you can find podcasts, you'll be able to find Seek Reality at this point. And in addition, there's a wonderful app that you can get for free in the iTunes store where the, the episodes will just show up every week. This has been Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Please enjoy, please make the most of this coming week in our one reality, which is solid and also not solid at all. Always know that you are a powerful, eternal being, and you, in particular, most of all in the whole universe, you are infinitely loved. You've been listening to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Roberta blogs and answers questions at robertagrimes.com. Join us every week as we explore what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about the one reality we all share. Knowing the truth changes everything.